Welcome. This is my truth as a platform for honest, open conversations. The stories I share or that others share are often not spoken about or discussed, but once told, I believe they have the ability to shine a light on another perspective or a much needed conversation. These stories may make us laugh, some may make us cry, but together we will learn from one another and begin to heal. Because walls need to be torn down, masks need to come off, stories need to be heard in order for our truths to be told. This is my truth. Will you tell me yours? Hello, hello, podcast world. Welcome back to This Is My Truth. And I am excited to share with you a conversation I had with Caroline Susina Levine. And I will dive a little bit more into her bio in a second. But I asked her to join me in a conversation to talk about all things taking the leap of faith from a corporate career. And Caroline has had this, I often say that like my jungle, my career has been a jungle gym and not like a ladder. And hers like blows mine out of the water because I at least like stayed within the same company when I created my, my jungle gym until I took this leap of faith. But she has just made all of these pivots and she starts our conversation by sharing her truth, which is, you know, quitting is, is underrated. And I think that's so hard in a world of, you know, type A perfectionists, at least that's, you know, the world that I lived in for so long. Um, you know, quitting is so often not an option and she's made it a embraced quitting as a way to like get to that next step. And so, um, I just really, really enjoyed our conversation. So a little bit more about Caroline. She's the founder of the Dream Career Club and is a career coach, writer, and media personality on the job market issues. A senior contributor to Forge Leadership and an adjunct at Columbia University, Caroline helps experienced professionals in tech, media, financial services, and under into other industries make a great living doing work that they love. Um, you can find her at, if my computer wants to work, um, at her website at dreamcareerclub.com um, or on Facebook at uh, C. Cezina Levine. And all of this will be posted in the show notes. Take a listen to my conversation with Caroline. Let us know what you think. I'm curious, what is one takeaway that you have during the conversation? Share it with us, let us know. And I'm curious, you know, when you hear her talk about, you know, all of these pivots and this quitting that she does, what comes up for you? Let me know. Plug in your headphones and enjoy my conversation with Caroline. Well, Caroline, I am so excited to have this conversation. Thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Well, I'd like to start our conversations with the seemingly simple question of what is the truth that you would like to share today? You know, when I thought about like how to answer that in a nutshell, there are two phrases that I say, and I think they're both related um, and I think are, are, I think answer this question. So one is focus is overrated. And the second is quitting is underrated. 
<laughs> they're related. I love it. I love it. Tell me more. Yeah. So I myself am a multiple time career changer. So I, you know, majored in music when I was younger. I studied classical piano at Juilliard and in college I did a conservatory with college. And so I played like really, really seriously and I loved every minute of it. And then uh, I went into something completely different. <laughs> I became a banker, a consultant. I became an executive recruiter. And today I, um, I did in-house HR and then I started my own business, which is coaching. And so I, in my work, I see a lot of career changers. You know, having done it myself, I see a lot of career changers. I think, and I do this to myself. So like, this is a work in progress, even for me, but I, I do find that a lot of people, myself included, you know, it's very hard to buck the trend of like focus, you know, on one thing, work hard, play hard, you know, like all in, you have to be all in, you have to burn the boats, you know, there's no plan B, you know, and so there's, there's all this just, I don't know, all this talk in the, in the ecosystem about that. And, you know, let's just say I, I'm in New York City, which is a very 24-7 type A, and I spent decades there. Um, so there's, there's all that going on. And so there's this feeling of like, you have to pick just one thing. And I think for, you know, some people, I put myself in this boat, like, I don't want to just do one thing. And sometimes I do one thing for a while, and then I just don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> Like, like piano. Hence the quitting is underrated. You know, like sometimes that can be like the best thing that ever happens to you. I love this. I love this so much. And I think so many people are going to be able to relate and connect because, you know, I think about like my own, not only career, but life. Like I've always often felt like it was just, you know, like made the good grades, you went to the good school, you um, got the good job and right. And then it was like, once you're in the job, like you just keep finding. And I, for me personally, like I was super fortunate that every time I thought about, you know, do I want to join a startup or do I want to like go into this, you know, area or like, I could find that next job within Google. I never had to leave the company, but, but there did become this point where I was like, but this isn't enough anymore. And I felt pressure myself. I felt pressure from other people to still stay. And so I'm curious, you know, take, take me back to that first sort of like quitting moment when you went from Juilliard to like banking, like what was going on? Like, bring me back to that moment. Well, you know, what's, what's even crazier than that is it, my, my very first job out of undergrad, which was in a strategy consulting firm. And I was in their investment banking practice. So I had worked at Goldman, you know, as my summer. And then I decided I didn't want bank. I loved the markets, but I didn't love investment banking. So I did management consulting still in investment banking practice. And the, the partners at the consulting firm would always introduce me to clients as a Juilliard grad, not my, not the college that I graduated from, but Juilliard. And so it's interesting that like, so it just stays with you. You know, there are. So I, I hear you about the whole Google thing, because I'm sure people from the outside are like, why would you ever, right, give up such a good job, air quotes, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and, and, and of course it is. I mean, that's not even about, that's not about Julia, that's not about Google, you know, it, it's just about, 
I think people hang on to these brand names. And so it's so hard. You just feel like you're, you're doing something wrong <laughs> to, yeah. to walk away from that. So that's honestly, like that was always part of it. So when I, um, when I was studying piano, I, I realized it was something I fell into. I happened to be good at it. And I, you know, as I got older, I realized that what I liked about it was the attention that I got from being good at it, as opposed to the actual playing the piano. Like, I don't even listen to classical music for fun, you know? So it's like, I, I, I was kind of, you know, I kind of fell into it. And how many times do we do that? We like, we're good at something. And so we just keep doing it. And then like the accolades and then the, of course I liked telling people that I, I attended Juilliard. I still like telling people that I attended Juilliard. There's still like a, a payoff that happens for that. And that was, you know, I have to like, I have to do the math. That's how long ago it was. It was like over 30 years ago and there's still a payoff, right? And so it's, it's very hard to, so even in that moment, I just remember thinking to myself like, this is really hard, you know, like I, I, like I didn't want to do it. So like I wanted to do something else, but I didn't want to, to walk away from it. And so I kind of punted the issue, honestly, like I still let people introduce me as the person who went to, to Juilliard. I never corrected anybody, you know, I was just like, okay, fine. You know, they just want to just tell people that even though I was also an economics major and I, I went to an actual liberal arts college. I went to Barnard College, it's connected to Columbia yeah. University. It's not, you know, some college like in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it is itself, you know, brand name. But again, it's like the kind of the story that gets built up, you know, and it's very hard to quit that story. And, and so, you know, for me, it was more about finding, you know, other anchors where I could just then let that story go. And so it, it was less about, you know, like having to correct people or, or just walking away. And it was more just about, okay, I'm just going to start doing something else. And eventually things will catch up to that. <laughs> and so, you know, that's, that's what ended up happening. You know, I ended up with a business career. And so eventually that just <laughs> went by the wayside, but it's hard. It's hard to let that go. And I'm curious. It, it, and it's, it's interesting. I mean, I haven't, I am nine, 10 months post Google and I've, I've tried really hard, like, I, especially in moving to a new city, you know, like not even just a new city, like halfway across the country. I've been like actively trying not to tell people I work at Google or I worked at Google. And, but like, even, you know, I was just introducing myself to new neighbors and it was like, they were asking what they did. And I was like, oh, I left my job in January. And inevitably, like the next question is like, oh, well, where do you work? And it's like, even if I like try to avoid it, <laughs> I can't. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it's just, it's so interesting. I think, um, I love what you're saying about, you know, placing the different anchors because eventually, you know, it, it's always a part of your journey. It's always a part of your story, but it's not the first chapter. At least it's my hope. Right. And eventually people remember you or think of you as something else. Yeah. And so it, it does, it does fade. It, with time, but that's the, that's the danger of it is that if you're not doing something else, or if you're not talking about yourself in a different way, then people will always remember 
the the early part. And I do know of people who who can't let go of some of the early stuff. And that's why I say quitting is underrated. It's like, try it, try it. Like really just try to walk away and not talk about it, not think about it. And, and you'll find that it becomes easier. I'm curious, you know, in any of these pivots of careers in, in your life, was there ever, you know, a time when you came across resistance within yourself or within your family? And if so, like, how did you, how did you navigate that? Okay. So all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for being You know, today, (laughs) yesterday, the day before that. I mean, so like, where do we even begin with that? I mean, in terms of resistance, I would say that I've always been pretty headstrong and my family to their credit was always like, Caroline's just being Caroline. And you know, I think my mom just gave up, you know, trying to, to tell me otherwise. And so she was always supportive of whatever. Um, so it was less about the family, but I will say that I would make inroads into my pivots, especially if they were going to be big pivots without telling people. And that's actually a strategy that I promote to everyone who will listen, which is keep your dreams to yourself, especially when you're not sure. Goodness gracious, because like everybody else is just going to project their own fears and anxieties onto you. And then if you're not comfortable with it. So things like when I, um, Oh my gosh, I've, I've made so many pivots, like crazy seeming pivots, you know, so, so I, I went into, when I went from banking to consulting, which doesn't seem like a big deal now, but at the time, you know, consulting was actually pretty, pretty nascent. And so like, that was like a big deal. And, and I have to say, I know that my mom was devastated that I didn't continue. She, to this day, she, to this day talked about it. Um, but again, to her credit, she mentions it in passing and then moves on. But I also didn't ask for her advice about that. I just made that decision. Um, and then when I left corporate and I just I became an actor, I had my SAG card and everything. Like I was taking classes in acting and I would kind of tell people about it. And then I just did it. You know, I, I didn't ask for permission. And then it was just kind of that thing. So that's why I say, you know, you just kind of start doing stuff and then people will just get over it. Um, obviously I was married at the time, I'm still married. And so I, I do have to, to tell some people more than others, you know, like, so, so we'll work that out. But even with my husband, you know, I'll do like small steps towards the pivot until it's, it's that small, like snowball that becomes an avalanche. And then, then it's too late, but it's like, well, this is just happening. <laughs> the ship has sailed. <laughs> the ship has sailed. Yeah. So, so that's the resistance from other people, but resistance for myself. I mean, I'm always just trying to do the work around just like meditation, like reading inspiring stories. So like, like other people that do things differently. Um, and then also trying not to read the things that I would normally read, like the, the business press and, you know, some of the, the stuff again, that lionizes, I think the work hard, play hard, always on 24 seven culture. Um, I have to stop doing that and know to stop doing that. 
Well, and I think a lot of the industries that you're talking about, right, like banking, consulting, you know, I was at Google for 13 and a half years, but I also, you know, we partnered, like my partners were in finance and B2B, right? I I will never forget my first, like, real client meeting. And I walk in as like a young 21 year old, I guess I was 22 today, 22 year old, like, white woman into a board meeting of like old white like 70 year old men and I was like (laughs) what is like what am I doing (laughs) and um and so I think what's coming up for me as you're saying this is like I think that those industries really embrace that culture of like work hard play hard You know, I think about Google when I first started and it was very much that, like, I didn't have friends outside of Google. Like we worked together. We like went out together. It was just this like cycle and it, that's, it's a hard cycle to break. And I love that you're like, no, like it doesn't have to be like that. Yeah. And you have to do it for yourself because I will tell you that, that, as soon as I, uh, my husband and I became empty nesters, so our youngest went off to college, we changed our, our primary residency to Florida so we could be closer to the beach. And there is definitely where we live right now, which is in the Jacksonville area. It's just, it's a smaller city, obviously, than New York. It doesn't have that work hard, play hard culture, but you take yourself wherever you go. So even though I'm not surrounded by it, so it's easier in that way um, to to forget about it, I still drive myself crazy. I mean, and so, yeah, I think you just, yeah, you just have to like, when I find myself doing it, I just have to take a step back and be like, oh, I'm doing it again and then decide to do something else or to just wallow in it if I'm really feeling undisciplined <laughs> at the moment. I love it. I love it. Um, I think that's, that's, it's honestly very refreshing to have this conversation. Thank you. What, you know, looking back on sort of all of your, your different, I keep calling them pivots, but yeah. like, you know, what, I'm curious, like, do you have a favorite? Like, what was your favorite? Well, they're my favorites for, for like different reasons. So for me, like walking away from, from Goldman Sachs, even though I was just there for a summer, but when they started talking about working there full time and I was like, no, I didn't even go through the evaluation process and even try to find out like what, you know, they were like, oh, if you're not interested in this group, we could introduce you to other, no. I just, just shut it down, which in hindsight, you know, now that I'm older, I always advise my clients, always listen to what, you know, an employee, don't, don't do that. Don't be like the 20 year old who, no, 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 that was me. Right. But, but that was the first pivot where I really felt like, I was like, wow, you know, I don't have to just do the, the obvious thing. And so that was special for that reason. Certainly when I left you know, a corporate career and to try acting for a few years where I just, I went from having, you know, being a a retained executive recruiter. So I was actually attached to a company and taking classes on the side to having no attachments 
and, and taking classes. And I tell people, I went from a six-figure salary to, to three figures. That's, that's not a, a typo. So earning less than $1,000 from my, my new career, which was, was acting. And that's you know revenues, by the way, because you're spending thousands of dollars on classes, on headshots and you know everything yeah. like that. And so that was definitely a special pivot for me because it was really like, it was like, wow, this is real now. Um, so I, that was, that was a special one. And then when I became an entrepreneur, like I felt like that was really special because I, I had gotten back into like the corporate life. And then I was, I found myself, you know, still unhappy that I, I thought, okay, I, I'm so glad that I'm here, you know, because after being an actor for a few years, it was just really grating on me. And it, that wasn't quite right. That, that was not the right change to make. And then I, I went back to corporate and that still wasn't right. And to, to, you know, to make another pivot and to say, okay, I'm gonna do something different again. You know? and, I, and now I'm still at that stage. I'm an empty nester and I love my business, but I'm like, hmm, I just turned 50 this year. I still wanna do something else. Like I, you know, so I feel like there's another change coming. I'm not quite sure what that is. I love that. So, my theme for 2021 is F the handcuffs. And I, and I think the easiest handcuff, right, is like the golden handcuffs, as I said goodbye, also said goodbye to, you know, a six figure salary to zero dollars, basically, um, as sort of a stay at home mom. And um, I just keep calling this my gap year, my year of figuring out what I want to do. But you know, when I talk to friends and family who are, are thinking about, you know, like they're in corporate, they they have the grind, but like the money, their money stuff comes up. And so I'm just curious, like from your own experience, right? You went from a corporate job to an actor to, you know, and then entrepreneurship, right? And like a lot of people have that fear of like, what if I make no money? Um, so like, how did you navigate that for yourself? So I actually think the money handcuffs is probably the easiest because it's math. <laughs> I mean, so I'll tell you with acting, so six figures to three figures and, and my husband at the time was working, um, in nonprofit. So, you know, it wasn't like he had these, this exit strategy or this big bonus or, you know, like the, the things that other people rely on. So I was bringing in half of our household income. Like that was not gonna change. It wasn't like all of a sudden he was gonna have this big bonus coming in. But we knew that going, going out. So while I was taking classes, while I was still in search and, and pulling in some money, I tried to live as if we weren't making my salary. And so I knew where I could cut and what I couldn't cut. So I knew that there was a certain amount of money that I absolutely positively needed to make. There was just nothing else barring homelessness that we could do, right? <laughs> like to, to make up that gap. And so I had a very, very clear sense of the gap. I think when people talk about money handcuffs, they have no sense of what that gap is. They have no idea how much they spend on a month to month basis. They have no idea like, what they could cut, could not cut, you know, it, it's all just like this amorphous thing. And so, of course, it seems daunting and insurmountable. It's because you don't know how high the wall is. 
but exactly. typically the wall is not that high. So I would say that that is something that's actually pretty easy. I will just take people through. It's like, okay, let's you know, actually track the expenses, you know, like let's solve the math problem. And because again, that's the, actually the easiest set of handcuffs. I mean, the other handcuffs are things like identity handcuffs, which we alluded to in the beginning. That's very, very tough. Um, and then also kind of the relationship handcuffs. You know, for a lot of people, they hang out with people because of work or because they're in that industry or, or you know, whatever it is, or, you know, it, it's tied to, you know, going out on Friday because that's the end of that work week. Um, and so that also, like your relationships change. Um, when I was hanging out with a bunch of actors, it was a very, very different feel when I was hanging out with a bunch of entrepreneurs versus with, with my corporate people. And that untethering, you know, and, and everybody's perfectly nice. I mean, I've always found nice people in, in every industry that I've worked in and every type of job, but it, it is, it's different and it can feel really, really weird. I think that's a lot more difficult than, than the money piece. Yeah. I think that those are also really good examples of, of handcuffs. And I, th I think you're right. It's funny. Like my first episode in January, it was like F the handcuffs, talking about golden handcuffs. And then like my next episode was like, basically like you think you have handcuffs, but here's why. And I said the same thing, similar to money. It was like, you know, this is a conversation. Me leaving Google was a conversation. We started like a year and a half ago. Right. And so my husband and I had like lots of conversations lots of arguments, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, right. But we had to figure out like, where could we cut that? Like, could we make this work? It wasn't like I woke up one day and I was like, I'm going to leave tomorrow and let's see what happens. And so I think that, you know, people use, I'm generalizing, but you know, that that's the easiest excuse to, to not making that, that leap. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very driven by money, not driven by making a lot of money, but driven by money as a form of security. Like I yeah. really have always, you know, I grew up solidly middle-class. So it wasn't like it was from, from a childhood scarring or anything, but we were also a family that was very frugal and clipped coupons. And, and so I still find myself like excited about getting something on sale, you know, that that's part of the, yes. the, the joy right? Like it's Labor part of the joy. Sale. It's not, it's not even just the money that you're saying. It's like, that's like, yeah, I did it, you know? And so I, I do find that, that I'm driven by money, that people are driven by money and something that really helped me. So this is a cheat that I have for myself because I've in HR, I'm a recruiter. I've seen a lot of career paths, right? And so what I noticed, and this was even before I was thinking about you know, becoming an actor or becoming an entrepreneur. But something that I noticed was that I would meet people who, who made seven figures or high multiple six figures and who were very, very anxious about money. And I met people who were, you know, like very, very middle-class, not even close to six figures that were totally fine. I've met people who have millions of dollars and who can't even imagine retiring like like it just doesn't even seem like enough they, they you know they're they're clinging to these jobs that they hate because there's just no way that they have enough and then i meet people with with far less than that who are like i made it and i realized that it was like wow there isn't a number that works 
you know, and so like, it's not about the number, it's about what you attach to the number and about everything else. And so that's when I realized for myself, I was like, uh, it's never going to happen if I'm looking at my bank account. It's, it's going to be that I have to be thinking about other things. I love that. I love that. All right. So I'm curious when you hear the phrase, fuck the handcuffs, what comes to mind for you? Well, I was thinking more, I, I, I knew, you know, when I saw that, that it was golden handcuffs. Of course, I mean, come on, I came from banking, consulting, I'm in HR, I'm a career coach, like I get it. And, and I just said that, you know, for a lot of people, it is for sure, it's the golden handcuffs. It's the, and you know, tech is so good at this. Mm-hmm. You know, they're so good at that because it's that, that vesting 25% every year. So you're always walking away from something, right? You're always walking away. And so you really feel it. They want to make you feel it. Um, but like for me, it was certainly the handcuffs um, for me were more about, again, identity. I think it was just, it was like being able to, to not be a corporate person, to be an entrepreneur. And then to be able to, you know, my most recent pivot, if you will, was to be okay with being a lifestyle entrepreneur and not you know, scaling the company, selling the company, you know, and all of the things that you, you, again, you read about in the, in the business press. I love that. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. I think that identity is, is underrated. (laughs) Like in, in, I, it's funny, like, as I started to tell people I was leaving, you know, people would tell me like, all right, like expect this, expect that. But like, I'm still working through a lot of the identity stuff. Like, And for me personally, this is getting kind of deep, but like what I've realized over time is I put so much stock into like my corporate identity, like my identity is like just the Googler. And it came at the detriment of like me as a mom and me as like a human and me as a partner. And so I've had to like unpack a lot of that and like for, you know, like ask for forgiveness of myself, of others, and then you know, sort of like be like, well, who am I? Which has been an interesting like process that I didn't, I didn't realize I would have to go through. Yeah, for sure. Especially since you spend so much time at work. I mean, everybody does. And then all of a sudden that's not there. And the whole parenthood thing is definitely <laughs> a, a, a mind F, if you will, because yeah, yeah it's really, really tough. I mean, I, you know, my kids are, are 20 and, and turning 26 at the end of the year. So, you know, I'm in a completely different life stage, but I still remember, you know, just the, just the sheer exhaustion. So the other thing too, is like, you're going through all of these changes and they're emotional and they're mental changes. These are big, big issues. And of course there are financial challenges too, because gosh, it's so expensive paying for everything, but then you're just like physically exhausted. Mm-hmm. And I just remember like, the the one thing if i could just go back and do something again um i loved every every single part about being a working mom but it was like i would have given myself like much more of a break than i did i just always felt like i had to be doing some i had to be improving something or correcting something and i just i didn't just savor it enough so like for whatever that's worth it's like don't let people screw, screw with your mind. You're doing a, a fine job. Like just, just, <laughs> just hold on to that. Really. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Caroline, I've loved this conversation. Thank you. Um, 
I, I have some quick fire questions for you. You ready? Yes. All right. What are the first three words that come to mind when I ask you, who are you? I am funny, a beach lover, and family first. More than three words, but like, yeah. I love it. Um, I resonate with, well, I wouldn't consider myself funny, but I resonate with beach lover and family first. Um, How do you feel seen or heard? I'm curious. You know, I'm not a social media person, so I'm I, I'm lucky that I never kind of fell into that trap of I need to have likes or followers or, you know, I just was never into that. So for me, it's like when I have a, a quiet moment with my husband, when I when my kids call just because they want to talk to me or, or say like, oh, it's been a while since we've talked or when. Uh, you know, my mom came to visit for a few weeks and we had a really good time together. Like those kinds of things, like that's, that's it for me. I love that. And I want to ask you this question because I feel like as you think about, you know, your, the career and the choices that you've made and just what we've been talking about, about identity. Um, I'm curious, when do you feel you belong? You know, I, I still don't feel like I belong. So I think it's a work in progress. I'm always feeling a little unmoored. I think it's because I like to do a lot of different things. I never had a traditional career. I left corporate in my 30s. I got married relatively young. I married my high school prom date. And so I, I, I always felt like an outsider. I was in hard charging New York and I was married at the age of 23 and had my first kid at the age of 24. So all the working moms were 10 or, you know, more years older than me. So I've always been like a little bit of the the quirky one. And um, so that's just TBD. But you know, what I have been able to do is be better about that. I used to freak out about not feeling like I belonged. And now again, it's probably just age where I'm just kind of like, okay. I love it. Thank you. How can people continue to follow you on your journey? Yeah. So I write all the time. So I keep a career blog on sinisalivian.com, which is just my, my name without the hyphen. And then I blog more personally on costaricafire.com, which is about all things Costa Rica. So that's kind of, that's not even something we talked about. That's how uh, overrated, you know, like my focus is just really all over the place. Wait, well, now I want to dive into it. What, tell me about Costa Rica. What does it mean to you? Yeah, so Costa Rica, we have some vacation property there. And it was a place where I just, I visited for the first time in 2017. We bought two properties that same year. I, I just, I think if you had to build a country from scratch, you would build Costa Rica. Environmentally sustainable. They're a net exporter of electricity. Just their slogan, Pura Vida, is like, you know, good life, essentially, it mm-hmm. translates to, and high literacy rate, universal health care. I mean, it's just like, everybody's so happy there. I'm always happy when I'm there. So it's just about kind of embracing that. I and love weird. that. I'm actually going to Costa Rica for the first time in January with a girlfriend. So oh. I'm very excited. 
Okay, well, I'll send you some recommendations if you go to Tamarindo. That's the place that I know. That's where we have our place. I have to know it. We're doing this like yoga retreat. So I, all I said, I was like craving alone time. And she was like, I miss you. Let's do a girl's trip. And I was like, let's go here. And yes. we'll make it happen. Okay, great. So, um, I'll let you know. Okay. Well, Caroline, thank you so much for this conversation. I have really, really, really enjoyed it. Well, thanks for having me on. It was been a great conversation. I mean, I love these topics and I love that you're doing this. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. I think that so many people will resonate with it. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If something in the conversation resonated with you, please, please share it with a friend that you think needs to hear this conversation. Feel free to tag me on social media. Let me know how you're listening, where you're listening and what resonated. Tag me at this is my truth podcast, or feel free to shoot me a DM. And because we're a new podcast and this shit matters, I would love for you to leave me a rating and review. Tell me how you truly feel. This entire podcast is about vulnerability and authenticity. So let me know how you really feel and give me some feedback. I really appreciate it.